welcome back to the mountains in the sea where we find the highs and lows of each and every prince album and more every other week i'm christy this is josh and today today we are talking about the first five songs on prince's debut album for you spelled out f-o-r-y-o-u who is this spelling out (laughs) words like that this is a young man who had the clout to do many things yep and but still evidently, a lot to figure out. not use the letter U in place of Y-O-U. Or the or, number four in or place the number of four. F-O-R. There are all kinds of things that just are crazy about looking at this album. Mm-hmm. Yep, where it all started. That's right. Released April the 17th, 1978 in the U.S. Yeah, when the Prince 17th? Because was- I had the 7th. Oh. oh, no, you're right. Okay. <laughs> the L in April looked like a one to me. <laughs> you mean April 17th? <laughs> the official release date? You're right. It's April 7th. Okay. I'm going to stop you right there, even though I already stopped you. I'm going to stop you again and turn your attention to ye old trifold insert from the CD. Uh-huh. Which was released in 1987. Yeah. You just looked that up. So there is, there's a notes panel uh, on in the little booklet. That says, in late 1977, Warners released Prince's debut album for you. They so screwed it up. Explain this. I read that. I quit reading at that point. I'm like, whoever wrote this doesn't know what they're talking about. I'd forgotten about that. Good Lord. Nope. (laughs) So we went on, I don't know, a tiny rant on our last episode (laughs) about. Uh, some of how, how how about how some of his music has been handled since his passing. I'm sorry, it's been happening since day one, <laughs> apparently. But I don't know when these notes came out because it's clearly like retrospectively written. Maybe right. when it came out on CD, probably. But was it difficult to find out when the thing was released? Not if you work for Warner Brothers. I, I don't not. think he was still but... under contract with Warner Brothers in 1987 when the CD came out. Whatever. Already an Easter egg. That's right. Aren't you glad you tuned in? That's right. It would get an international release later. Yeah, later after Fame uh-huh. and Fortune kind of found that's, its. That's he, right. He found his way to Fame and Fortune. Right. Yeah. Not a not exactly a wildly successful debut album. Um, no. Initially, it did not sell well. By 1979, it had sold less than 200,000 copies. Uh, Billboard charts stalled at 163 for the top LPs and tapes. Top LPs and tapes. Uh Uh-huh. How about that? That's right. And you know what tapes they were talking about there? They were talking about eight tracks. Were they really? (laughs) Probably, because I don't think cassette tapes were not, they weren't widely available if they were out. I remember seeing those in the car and, you know, they were basically renowned pieces of crap. (laughs) <laughs> but that was my only real experience with eight tra- eight tracks. Yeah. So, yeah. It reached number 21 on the Soul LP chart, but uh, Big Name X uh, made it really difficult for newcomers to crack the top 10 at that time. Did you say it reached 23? 21. 21. Sorry, I was looking at another column <laughs> where it was weeks in the chart. So it reached 21. But it was on the chart for 23 weeks, which right. is a pretty solid run. Yeah. I mean, if you think of it, selling 200,000 copies when it wasn't even available on CD or tape, cassette, right. 
There were so many fewer options. <laughs> That's true. It was recorded at Record Plant in Sausalito, California, just across the bay from San Francisco proper mm-hmm. in the fall of 1977, which would have made it difficult for Warner Brothers to release it at the end of 1977. I think they were still working on it. Call me crazy. Yes. So the Record Plant... Let's talk th- about that a moment because okay. it's interesting. All right. So uh, it started in New York City in 1968, and okay. it was open there until 1987. There was an L.A. location that opened in 1969, and it remains operational. Okay. The Salsalito branch of Record Plant <laughs> opened in 1972 and operated until 2008. So a fairly long run. But Sly and the Family Stone recorded their album Fresh in Studio B at the Salsalito. Okay. So all of the next information is about the Salsalito location. The one where Prince did this work. Right. Okay. For a while in the 70s, there was a radio show from the Salsalito branch of Record Plant, Live from the Plant. Hmm. And it included performances from The Grateful Dead, Bob Marley, Linda Ronstadt, Fleetwood Mac. Wow. Lots and lots of people. This location was described by the Fleetwood Mac guitarist Bob Welsh as the height of 70s over-the-topness. Oh. <laughs> the studio had a jacuzzi Okay, I was going to say, how many, how many love dens did they have? <laughs> oh. Go ahead. We're getting there. Okay, jacuzzi and uh, basketball. So uh-huh, those probably, are those seem like yeah. pretty like nice okay. amenities. Yeah, yeah. nice okay. amenities, but fairly maybe expected or standard. Okay, you, those don't seem wild. Sure. There was a conference room with a waterbed floor. Oh, a waterbed floor. <laughs> okay. Uh huh. Sleeping quarters nearby. Okay. There were chefs at the ready. All the time. Wow. They had a studio with bunk beds that you could lay in and plug your microphone into the wall to record that way. So if you wanted to recline while you recorded, you could do that. There was a speedboat in the harbor. Oh, that was theirs? Just theirs, ready to take people on a little ride if they needed some inspiration or fresh air. Okay. But then they had some not-so-fresh air. They had industrial-grade nitrous oxide there. They said that it, they were able to buy it because they said it was uh, integral to the recording process. Okay. It was really just for artists to get high. Oh. That's like laughing gas is what they use at the... Okay. I yeah. didn't expect that. I expected maybe some white powder in oh. the 70s and... Yeah, no. Sausalito. No, nitrous oxide, okay. and they had that there until somebody died. Oh, do you know when that happened? Late 70s, I think. Wow. I think before Brutal. Prince recorded there. Okay. But yeah, wild. Very sad. Yeah. Or, or really I mean, fun. Sad that someone died. Sad is what that I'm somebody okay, died. Yes. Not sad that there was a speedboat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you have a speedboat? Oh. Also read, I believe this was on Prince Vault, that when Prince was signed, his initial deal was for three albums, <laughs> and yep. he was provided a budget of $180,000 for the first three, mm-hmm. and the sessions for this album, which by the way, is about 33 and a half minutes, totaled $170,000 in studio bills. 
So I think that the, it certainly wasn't that he didn't have ideas or struggled. I think, you know, the toys were available and to create, it's a pretty lush production sound, I would Mm -hmm. say, that there was a lot of time spent, probably one of the most time intensive periods that Prince spent making an album, I would say, is right here on this one. I read, I don't remember where I read it, but it was about $125 per hour for studio time at the record plant. In 1977? I think that was in 1975, but it was close to that point. So that would have been... 1,360 hours of recording time. Oh, okay. You did that math. I was like, how much did this album really cost if it's, let's even round down to 33 minutes. Uh-huh. And 170000 in studio bills is just studio bills, not photography and reper- you know, marketing yeah. it, uh-huh. producing, printing, it. producing it, all yeah. this stuff. So just the studio time for the 33-minute album is... $5,151 a minute. Wow. <laughs> so when you listen to For year, for You, you're listening to the sound of money being spent. Not wasted. Oh, I mean, because right. dude worked hard. But yeah. yeah, I don't know how, like who signs those change orders? How does that get through? And then what happened on the, were they just like, okay, well, good luck making your next two albums for five grand. No, I mean, I think. Dirty Mind maybe could have been made for five grand. So it was all just, you know, purposefully right. cheaply done. Right. But uh, his follow-up album, self-titled album, was really well produced and smooth sounding. Yeah. And I mean, so, it didn't yeah. sell well and still they gave him more money. This is they like did. unheard of today. The yeah. you, If your first album didn't sell well, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, too bad, so sad, you're done. Yep. So Prince wrote, produced, recorded, did all the things. It says, produced, arranged, composed, and performed by Prince. Which is is on every album he ever released, basically. Yes. Yes. So Chris Moon, producer, even earlier in Prince's career, did get partial credit for the lyrics of Soft and Wet. Right. And in the notes of this album, there's like... Yeah, All of credits. this and more. Yeah, sure. like c- credits. And he puts Miss Polly Moog. And I'm like, who is Polly Moog? Isn't that an instrument? He, it is. Uh, Polly, Polly Moog is a synthesizer. Yeah. So he was anthropomorphizing his. Yeah, he's given it a. Yeah. Yeah. Given it a fun name. And yeah. it had to be the model 203A because the uh, later model of that didn't come out until. After this album was recorded, that one came out in 1975. Yeah. Um, the bass guitar wasn't any old bass guitar. It was an Orr bass created by Chuck Orr, who was a Minnesota luthier, which I didn't know what a luthier was. I learned a new word. It's a maker of stringed instruments. Oh, okay. Yep. It's no surprise that Prince was a gearhead. But he seemed to have wanted to share some specifics about some of the things that he used. So in the credits, so there's a Fender Rhodes piano, which is an electric piano, Obenheimer four voice, which is a synthesizer, and of course, hand claps and finger snaps. Yes, which is one of my favorite credits on this whole album is the all shoved together one word hand claps and finger snaps. Uh Uh-huh. Yes, it's very fun. It is very fun. 
so he, Warner Brothers wanted to pair him up with a number of different producers <laughs> who the rookie prince with no clout whatsoever somehow got around having because he sounds funny to say this after listening to this album, but he knew that disco was kind of going to end. <laughs> yes. And he didn't want his album to sound that way. Right. So I don't know what it would have sounded like had one of those <laughs> producers been part of it. Uh-huh. Uh, but it certainly is a disco sounding, sa- yeah, I would say it's near that genre. Sure. It's, it definitely pulls from current music at the time and has some similar sounds in some ways. Not always. I wouldn't mm-hmm. put it in the completely in the disco category. It's, but there's it's disco adjacent in yeah. a lot of places. Yeah, it's got some disco flavoring mixed in for sure. Yeah. So not only did Prince essentially control the creation of the album, wrote 98% of it, mm-hmm. played every instrument on it, and if you need it, designed the dust cover also. <laughs> So when I was a kid and I bought this for the first time, like when I got around to, okay, I got to go back into the back catalog and, you know, see what Prince sounded like on earlier albums. I remember reading dust cover design and it didn't strike me that what that meant was the dust cover for an album, like the LP Uh, had uh a dust cover. I thought that it was a reference to this swooping streaks that kind of look (laughs) dusty on the cover (laughs) Of the album itself, and I thought that he had coined, oh, that's my dust cover. <laughs> like he was so like so the creator sense. of yeah. Dune or something. <laughs> nope. Um, there's, some gr- there's a great article about For You that came out on a website called Far Out. Okay. And it came out uh, just like two weeks ago, July 31st. 2023. Oh, okay. We sit here on whatever it is, the 13th of August. Mm -hmm. I will share that with you so you can post it and plug the social media right here. (laughs) That's right. You can find us on Facebook, The Mountains and the Sea, a Prince podcast. You can find us on Twitter or X at TMATS, T-M-A-T-S podcast. Or if you don't do the socials, you can send us an email, tmatspodcast at gmail.com. So the title of this article is How Prince Laid Down a Perfect Marker with his first album and interviewed the engineer, um, even the photographer who shot the cover. Joe Gianetti. That's the one. Mm-hmm. Talks about how relaxed Prince was and um, his giant afro. And he said, I'm not going to cut it for the album cover. That's right. And so the, his hair kind of dictated the whole thing. Said that he came in with a couple friends and they were all very relaxed and close. And thankfully, the more they shot, the more relaxed he got. Mm-hmm. Love to see some of those outtakes. Some of those other photos. Yeah. Specifically about the, the cover, not the uh, bedroom image of the oh. three princes with an acoustic uh-huh. guitar where it looks like he's pantsless. But he's not. I did. I yeah. read another article, which I'll yeah. also share, where he said that that done in front of a window, mm-hmm. he was wearing a baby, bathing suit. Yeah. Which is a strange that you think that he would have skivvies or why a bathing suit? That's probably what he had. Or it might have been like a tight fitting yeah, like bikini a bottom thing. Yeah, Speedo. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, same photographer said he used to tell Prince, the less people know about you, the better off you are because they will use it. They'll turn it. Um, oh. And said that Prince knew when a manager or somebody around was trying to 
snow him over. And he said, quote, you know how some performers, they diminish the people around or the fans. He didn't do that, and neither did his staff. There was this great deal of respect for other people. You didn't feel like an outsider. You didn't feel like a vendor. You were considered an artist for whatever you did, whether it be makeup or costume. And I think that's how he got the best out of people. Yeah, I thought that was really great. Yeah, especially considering, I mean, this album was released when he was 19. He was right. two months before turning 20 on April 7th. Yeah. Actually, to the day, yes. April 7th, 1978. I also read that Chris Moon, mm-hmm. co-author of Soft and Wet, yeah, and owner of Moonsound Studio, where uh, Prince had the opportunity to do some early recordings. Like he would do things for Chris Moon and Chris Moon would let him like yeah. play. Stay in the studio yeah. and play around. Yeah. yeah. He said he had to talk Prince out of using the name Mr. Nelson. That he thought that Prince was too familiar and maybe because his the people wouldn't believe it was his real name. So he wanted to go by Mr. Nelson. And Chris Moon said, I don't know if you've heard of this guy, but there's this guy named Willie Nelson. I think people might confuse you, not because you sound similar, but because the name is the same. Uh, and that's why he ended up going by Prince and not Mr. Nelson. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, Mr. Nelson would make an appearance on... One of his latter albums mm-hmm. also, which is kind of interesting. Fun. Yeah. So, boy, so much went on, right? Signed to Warner Brothers. He had all these home recordings of songs and then kind of went on a tour with Warner Brothers executives and did perform literal performance art where he laid down tracks to some of these songs and to just prove that he could do it because mm-hmm. there was doubt that he could. Read a story about them saying, okay... We we get it. You uh-huh. you can do this, and he refused to stop. He's like, no, I've got to finish this, even though it was a song that he had recorded, you know, and was sort of done. Well, yeah, wouldn't stop part way. Yeah, you're gonna. You wanted me to prove it. I'm gonna prove it the whole way. Yeah, yep, a whole meal of proof, as you <laughs> might say. All right, we ready to talk about the songs. The songs. Starting off with the title track. That's right. For You, yeah. Acapella. Oh, yeah. So according to Diffuser, there are more than 40 vocal tracks here. So the primary mm-hmm. one was believed to have been laid down at the record plant with the rest of the album. But most of the overdubs took place in January 1978. Again, the album couldn't have come out in late 1977 when they were still doing overdubs in January. Yeah, good job, note writer. <laughs> At Sound Labs in Los Angeles. Okay. So cool. they spent $170,000 at Record Plant, and they weren't done. They weren't done. They got to go other places. Yep. So, like, I started list- I listened to this track a number of times. I will say probably of all of Prince's music... This is the album that I've listened to the least yeah. and often sort of dismissed it. Like felt like I just never really gave it a chance to okay. be honest. Like never sat down and truly listened to it. It was easy to get two songs in and be like, oh, this is like, it's a, it's got a dated sound. It's one of the sure. most, of course it's the oldest. So, right. but it, it's really easy to pin this to a, you know, era of music, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking about, you know, being in your late teens and you get signed to a three record deal and you've been granted unprecedented control 
you're a, you're a black man from Minneapolis. You're flown out to California to work at this swanky record plant. And so then I was like, well, imagine the pressure of just the first question. What do, what do, what, what do you record first? What's the first track going to be on your first album? Uh-huh. For someone who's already decided at 19 that I'm going to do this or I'm going to be a nobody. I'm right. going to be like the best or I'm going to be uh, a popper. Yeah. yeah, nothing. And he could play dozens of instruments and he decides to lead off with a title track that's basically his voice only and is only 20 words in length. Uh-huh. That's pretty cool. It, it's it's pretty so bold. gutsy. Pretty bold. And he starts the whole thing with a back mask. Yeah, the first three seconds are backwards, which, which I had, com- I think I, I read that and I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Uh-huh. But it never really listened either. Like it's just this kind of lead in. So yeah, he was, uh, you know, he had hidden a few backwards things in his music, you know, a number of times, but uh-huh. literally the first song on his first record starts with that exact technique. Yep. And that comes from a spot at 40 seconds okay. is where the, so there's oh, the, bas- okay. the back mask yeah. and then the, it's going in its linear form. Uh-huh. I don't know how else to say it. The Having regular. it go the right, the right way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The yeah. part that was back mask, you can hear uh-huh. it 40 you can seconds. Hear it. Yes. Yeah. Here we go. There Thank you, go. you. Sure. Yeah. So it's, I mean, just a minute and seven seconds. Mm-hmm. It's pretty. Which actually sounds, I w- I, if you had told me to guess how, if you'd asked me like a week ago, how long is the track for you, I would have been like, I don't know, 30, 35 seconds. Uh-huh. So it's like twice as long as I thought. Right. Yeah. So I really think it's maybe the mission statement for his entire career. Totally. Yeah. It I don't know if that was, if that was his intention to be like, or if he was, you know, writing songs that were, you know, mostly on the first half of this album about love, following in love mm-hmm. and some sex Mm-hmm. Um, and devotion and, you know, wanting to be around someone who doesn't come around enough, kind of just laying it bare that I'm, this is for you, one uh-huh. person. But you can certainly read it as a, from this point forward, everything I do in my life is going to inspire my music that I'm going to write, produce, record, and you'll hear it. Yep. I don't know if that's what he intended, but I think that's mm-hmm. probably the most revealing way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. It is what happened. Right. You know, looking back some 45 years later. Right. 45 and a half years later now. Yeah. So let's talk about those 20 words. All of this and more is for you. could be a romantic overture. It could be for God, but it really feels like an ode to the fans he imagined he was going to have. Yeah. Yeah. There it's sweet. There's all these background vocals. It's very pretty. It's majority background vocals. Like the lead part of it 
is almost buried by his own harmonizing behind it. Right. Uh, with love, sincerity, and deepest care. With love. He's making a promise to the audience to be authentic in his work, but I think this might even be more of a promise to himself. Okay. He's going to make music only as long as he loves it and for as long as he can be honest in it. Mm -hmm. And even for songs like All A Share Together Now, which we covered last episode, that weren't ever intended for release that we know of. As long as he's willing to give his best effort, he's going to continue to make music. Yeah. So, and the word care gives mm-hmm. us like this whole choir of princes. And I really feel like it's almost like sealing this vow okay. of like, I'm going to do this for as long as it means something to me. Now, mm-hmm. of course, it, he thought it was always going to mean something to him. And he was right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that he envisioned owning a place fancier than where he was recording right this minute. Right. Um, But yeah, I think that you hit the nail on the head for sure. Um, And he certainly in the recording process and what he recorded, he certainly was, you know, sincere. Uh Uh-huh. And that doesn't always mean (laughs) kind. It doesn't always mean clean and family friendly, but it was like what was on his mind. Mm -hmm. Um, And certainly took care, although his version of care, right, doesn't mean that every album is going to be three times over budget because of the time spent crafting. And a lot of times I was like, let's get this out and put it on record. Because Uh, it's something I care about, not necessarily because it took a lot of time or money to do. Overproduce this Mm -hmm. to the point where nobody cares. Mm -hmm. My life with you, I share. So here's this young man. He believes music to be his life. A lot of teenagers try on different personas. And Prince, this wasn't a persona for him. It wasn't something he was trying on. It was authentically who he was. And he was going to share that with the audience, with the divine. Music was going to be a participant in that. And with... The women that he loved the most For also, sure. which yeah. is sort of, you know, the surface meaning on all of this too. Right. There is, uh, after those lyrics, that's only like like 39 seconds into the song. Uh-huh. So after Cher, there is like this bell sound in the background uh-huh. that you can hear. Okay. Is that the, the wind chimes? Uh, maybe. Maybe it's wind chimes because that's what I had read on wherever it was. It's maybe Prince Vault. It's not in the credits of the album. No, it's not. But I read that on Prince Vault as well. Yeah. So I just thought it's kind of cool. You hear this wind chime or I was kind of bell sounding and then his voice literally becomes a bell, Uh you know, which I think is super cool. Yeah. It's just so many layers. It feels so happy. Mm hmm. Yeah, for sure. Like, I think that he, you know, he had this in his mind, you know, early on. It wasn't like this was recorded just for the album. He had done home recordings of this. Uh-huh. Um, 
But then the more I listen to this, I'm like, this could have been on an album 10 years later, like Love Sexy. Mm -hmm. This could have been on there. Um, And it's easy to forget that his singing defined him as much as his writing and his playing. Like uh, any combination of those three, singing, writing, playing, would be way better than good enough Uh for the next 38 years of his career. Yeah. Yeah, I just... I was blown away listening to this and paying attention to it again. This, uh-huh. of course, because it's a cappella, it doesn't have that somewhat dated disco influence to it. It right. just is like, wow, this yeah, this guy has pipes, yeah, big time, yeah, yeah. Especially coming after we spent a whole lot of time listening to Emancipation, which a lot of people consider to be like '96 was like the height of his vocal ability. Mm-hmm. But it's easy to forget that 20 years prior to that, he uh-huh. was so literally well-versed well-versed in writing verses and singing verses. Doesn't even need an instrument. He could right. do it all. So I think the restraint here says a lot, too. To spend yeah. the first third of an album this short singing a cappella is pretty bold and brave. Mm-hmm. All right. In Love, the second song... The B-side to Just As Long As We're Together. Hmm? Yeah, 70s soul with a little bit of disco. Yeah. There's like an, ah, that's at 13 seconds. It's a very, like, disco sounding. Oh, yeah. Like, it just needs the... Disco ball and the lights. Mm-hmm. That that little part right there defines like a hallmark of a lot of the songs on this album too. There are a lot of breaks and stops, mm-hmm. um, whether they be for Prince to deliver a word or deliver a breath or a little drum hit uh-huh. or a synth. There is a lot of stop completely uh-huh. as a undertone. Yeah, to hear, notice a thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, or you don't expect it. It was like he, it was his early curveballs. Uh huh. Would be to stop right in the middle of a of a song that he's pitching. Yep. The lyrics are very low in the mix. They are very yeah. I agree. Like the the instruments are loud. Yes. And the vocals are softer. But I'm not sure that he delivers any line in a single track. It's multi layered vocals throughout. Also. Mm-hmm. And I think because he sings it all primarily all in falsetto, mm-hmm. there's a sweetness to his voice that sounds innocent. So especially as you get further into this album, it's easy to overlook the, I don't know, sexual nature and <laughs> provocative nature of a lot of this stuff. Yes. There's these uh, like piccolo synths that make it sound really happy. Um, and you have longing prints. It's so hard to get you, baby, when you never come around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like you said, he's this falsetto makes him sound so demure. And, you know, he's got this sort of innocent and suggestive. He wants to play in her river. Yeah. Seems like, you know, a kid going and playing in the water and it's a young man playing in someone's water. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Grease the peach, as they say. 
<laughs> That's a good example of where the music stops at 58 yeah. seconds for I Really Want to Play in Your River. Like to emphasize, it's you, you hear it and you're like, how did I not pay attention to how like it's a little dirty? Because it's literally emphasized and stopped to deliver to you, but uh-huh. it still sounds... So sweet. It's like having, you know, a little child that you've raised and all of a sudden they start cursing. <laughs> and you're like, wow, that's that came from deep inside that little creature. <laughs> like our 15-year-old three years ago? Yep. <laughs> that's right. Yep. Yeah. Falling, falling, falling in love. It's just... It's so beautiful. It's romantic without mm-hmm. being a ballad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Agree. I even thought of like his, There's, of course, there's a more simple nature to the songwriting here about being in love, falling in love that would get more complicated as he got older. And uh-huh. then he had, you know, of course, more experience means likely you're going to get hurt and that's going to inspire some stuff. And there's very little of that on this album, which is different. So there's not any playing the victim by Prince Uh on For You. Um, So that's something different. (laughs) Well, (laughs) and also, like, the verses here make it seem like she maybe barely knows he exists. Yeah. And um, he's really inflated her importance in his life because he's so attracted to her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The one line in the chorus that I'm always like, oh, she's... She barely knows him, right? Uh But because he's so infatuated with this person, you're breaking my heart and taking me away. Like, you know, normally, like, someone breaks your heart and leaves you there to wallow in it. Uh And uh, it's like she has broken his heart and his mind goes also. There's uh-huh. more of him that's broken and out of body because mm-hmm. of his infatuation with her. And he says, won't you set me free? Honey, these chains, you constructed them all by yourself. Yeah. They're... <laughs> it, it, <laughs> It's like being in junior high school and there's somebody that you like spoke to briefly and suddenly you're infatuated with them and you long for them and they don't really know you exist. Yeah, we spoke. Uh I don't recall that, but I'm sure you must be right. (laughs) Yeah, and even the talks of the chains coming off of spending so long on emancipation. Yeah. um, I was a little surprised to find that here too. One minute and 28 seconds, all the couple th- verses on change. Take off these chains, girl, and I'll take off yours. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm so, like, that's wishful yeah. thinking that yeah. she has any chains on her. Yeah. In yep. reference to him. Yeah. Yep. I also thought, now the lyrics are not in the booklet or officially published. Right. But they are there in Apple Music when you listen along, so they must be approved, and this is how they were written. The song title in the chorus is parenthetical. In love is in parentheses. It's uh-huh. an aside. Uh-huh. So it's like that's the foundation, the base, but all this other stuff is, you know, him falling in it. Uh-huh. 
probably <laughs> face planting in it, <laughs> having her break his heart and take him away. Uh, can't be without you. It's kind of this, yeah, uh, crazy, which we get to later on. Yep. At about two minutes, there's kind of these uh, space sounds mm-hmm. around, I just can't be without you. I just can't be without you. And it's almost like you can hear the foundations of the 1999 album oh, yeah. here in the... Yeah. The second song released officially. Yeah, you're right. It's kind of amazing. Pretty cool. It's, and these also are like, very few of these are his instruments. It's all borrowed or in the uh-huh. studio. That's probably where the 170 grand came from is, <laughs> you know, he didn't just want guitars and synths and a drum kit. Right. He had all these other, you know, he's, he's naming instruments after <laughs> women you know, or as women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and shortly after that, there's an... Oh, 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 yeah. And it's got a longing quality to it, but it also has a lot of confidence about how he wants the song to sound. So I just thought that was impressive for somebody who was so young. Yeah. Um, we get like variations on the chorus there at the end. He sings it like two or three different ways. My fa- I've got like my favorite and least favorite part of the song are shoved into one another. So uh-huh. my favorite part of In Love is how he sings You're Breaking My Heart and Taking Me Away at 2 minutes and 51 seconds. Starts real low and ascends and he just delivers it in a different cadence that's super fun. And then follows it up with kind of his growly, <laughs> I just don't, I don't know what to say uh-huh. right after it, which I think is like a little overplayed. But it is, it does build to this, that's like the crescendo of the song, I guess you could say, but... I kept wanting to rewind at two minutes and 51 seconds and listen to that over and over and over uh-huh. again, like, cause it's eight or nine of tracks of his voice singing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's not just getting his heart broken. He is drowning. I'm like, Oh, it's so dramatic. It's such a teenager. Did you say drowning? <laughs> Drowning. Drowning. Yes, I know. Okay. I was just like, did I I miss it? Did I miss? Did he say that? You can't ever make a mistake in my house (laughs) because if you say something wrong a little bit, one of the four people in this house will point it out to you. True. That's true. You're welcome. So there's this like little sound at three minutes and nine seconds. Okay. And it's like a blip. And it does, it's, I'm sure it's a intentional sound because it sounds like it was made by a synthesizer, but it sounds really out of place and it happens twice. Yeah. Okay. Three minutes and nine seconds. There's this little blip. And I thought it was an error on the CD that I ripped, but it was oh. on the official Prince channel. It was on Apple music, it was all the places that I listened to it. I was like, 
Mm. That is strange. And then it happens again at three minutes and 22 seconds during the fade out. There's this like blip and it's almost like a a radar sound almost. It was, it seemed a little out of place to me. You didn't notice it, I guess. I didn't notice it. I think I was just too infatuated with you're breaking my heart and taking me away. I couldn't get past that. So that was right before the blip. I did want to mention that the little break, every time the song breaks, then it's... At times, it seems like that the timing is weird and the tempo changes or is off but then like i would sit there and count it and it's right uh-huh. but it's handled differently in different places so sometimes it seems half time and sometimes it seems correct time just those little blips in the start stop of the song okay um that always seem to like throw me off just a little bit like oh did it get off time or something uh-huh. there but it didn't so i don't know what that means but it's i kept hearing it also but, okay uh, I did find myself, let me listen to this again. Let me listen to this again. Like it became, I don't know, at one point, the beginning of this song was like an immediate turnoff to me. Like I would oh. be like, okay, skip. Uh, just because it's so synth heavy. Uh-huh. Sure. And certainly has a 1970s vibe to it. But you do have to let this one, I don't know, marinate a little bit. Yeah, well, get beyond the first 30 seconds. Yeah. And then it then it's a little more magical, a little more... Yeah like impressive and fun to listen to. There's a lot to appreciate. I could just listen to the falling, falling, falling in love. Mm -hmm. Over and over. Yeah. It's well sung. It's a nice, really nice, really like opening song. Yeah. You could say it does fade out at the end. It does. But in a, in a, yeah, it does fit. Like it doesn't sound like, Oh, he didn't know how to end this. It just, well, it fits thematically because this is an infatuation. This is a yeah. teenage infatuation. Yeah. So quite he's literally, off into the sunset. Well, and yeah. literally, it just kind of has to fade away. That's mm-hmm. how those kinds of infatuations work. Yeah. Is they will just fade away. And True. so for me, thematically, that fits okay. perfectly. See, I didn't think about the feeling fading away. I thought like this dude, he's there's no help for him. He's like. Completely infatuated, and so he's walking off into the sunset, still singing a song, all happy. Uh-huh. And the further he gets away, you're like, dude, go do your thing. <laughs> and so the song fades out. Oh, okay. Then we have the first single, Soft and Wet, was released June 7th, 1978. On Prince's 20th birthday. Mm-hmm. Yep. The single did sell better than the album, 350,000 copies. And the promo single included a mono version. Oh, I didn't I, I didn't know that. Yeah, and I... Did they, the estate release it? No. Along with that's just a callback to our previous uh, episode. I know. I know you know, but <laughs> I don't know that everyone listening knows. Go ahead. Um, so I thought maybe that was f- uh. perhaps for like AM radio. Maybe. Maybe because AM radio isn't in stereo. So it wasn't then. It is now. Right. It is now. But it was not then. That was the whole draw of FM radio. Yeah. Yeah. It's HD ish. Yeah. 
Uh, evidently, the VIP celebration attendees mm-hmm. in 2023 got to hear a version of this with uh, Just Prince singing and playing acoustic guitar. Yeah, I saw that on Prince Vault and it didn't say, or maybe nobody knows, was that like a 1970s thing or was it something else that he recorded later? There's really no information no. about it at all. So it's one of those one and done things for now unless they decide to release it yeah. more widely. So in love at 13 seconds, you got the... Uh-huh. And this one starts off with some princey breath. Yeah, an unmistakable start that kind of like an inhale. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Fun, poppy, happy synths. Yeah, there's Um, a lot of like organ synthy stuff going on in the background. There's like fast playing buried in the song throughout. And like... There's some kind of like mechanical instrumental beep kind of thing that's mm. underneath it. Mm-hmm. Um, again, a little bit of inklings of 1999, even here. Okay. So I kept I coming back bit. to like this song sounds an awful lot like Head. Oh, it does. There's a whole You're lot right. of similarity that I'd never really connected before between Head from Dirty Mind and Soft and Wet. The refrain of Hey Lover. And how he sings it, and it gets repeated, whether it's really part of the verse or not, to just direct this to the person he's uh-huh. singing to. <laughs> it's super 70s to me, yeah. and but still like super princey to me also. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so this is another great example of, of course, the sweet falsetto, <laughs> innocent sounding voice uh-huh. singing... I got a sugar cane that I want to lose in you, baby. Can you stand the pain? Uh I was like, boy, he has a very uh, inflated sense of his own anatomy. Unless it's her first time and there's pain involved that way. Maybe. But I was like, how big are sugar cane? So I looked it up. Oh, okay. In subtropical climates. <laughs> like in his pants? <laughs> in subtropical climates, it can be meters long. Okay. Quite long. Two uh-huh. inches thick. Five okay. centimeters thick. Yeah, it's it a very large thing. So to call himself sugar cane. Okay. Maybe had more. It wasn't just that it was uh, sweet. Yeah. Stiff. I was firm. I was trying to think of other words, but I none of them were coming. I'm just trying to help you get there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he calls his own anatomy sugar cane, but then calls her sugar also. Yeah. So they are. There's a sweetener connection here. Okay. Somewhere. Yeah. I just like first. This is of course. No surprise, this is the song that I've probably listened to the most from this album in history, just because it was a hit. He performed it live, Um, you know, it's the first radio hit for him, Um, but it's just so fast and fun, and like it's somehow subtly and also obviously dirty. Like, this is that dude, this is Prince. This is, yes. Yeah, totally. Yeah, there's 
just really fun parts. There's like these breathy vocalizations mm-hmm. at 38 seconds that are particularly fun. Yeah. His uh, falsettos are what he's known for, but it's particularly fabulous with All I Want to Feel is a Burning Flame. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Even before that, there was a word in here that I didn't even realize was part of the song. When he sings, All I Want to See is the Love in Your Eyes. All I want to hear is your sweet love sighs. Size, uh-huh. And because he delivers sighs in this breathy way, I never even like oh. sing that in my head as I'm uh-huh. listening. I thought it was, all I want to hear is your sweet love. And oh. I thought that's kind, of, that's kind of where it ended. So when I was listening and reading lyrics, I'm like, oh, oh. Oh, yeah, there's something there. There's I a didn't word even there notice. I never even noticed before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we do get a little bit of deep vocals uh-huh. as well in a minute and two seconds. Yep. Uh, Tell me that you love me, girl. Tell me that you love me, girl. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> First, like his normal singing voice on record uh-huh. is right there. So it's certainly not a 100% falsetto. Like there's this, there shouldn't be this mystery that Prince has a deep voice because it is here right. early on. Yes. I will fully admit also that the pre-chorus lyrics, I've never really looked up. Okay. And I don't know what I thought he said, (laughs) but I love what he actually says. The lines, if this is lust, then I must confess I feel it every day. If this is wrong, then I long to be as far from right as I may. I'm like, that is some good songwriting. Yeah. Those are some good lyrics delivered in a way like unexpected. And again, that growly delivery of, then along, (laughs) (laughs) which I think is fun. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Short and sweet. Just right for the radio. Three minutes. Yeah. Very, very um, short. Very, very fast. Um, There's even some effects on his vocals in this song that were like earlier than I thought, like uh, two minutes and 19 seconds. He cremates the word uh, evening rain. You're just as wet as the evening rain. And I'm like, that almost sounds like there's an effect on his voice there, but you can hear it for the rest of verse three. There is like this little flanging effect on his voice there that I hadn't really paid attention before. Uh huh. Especially around, I really dig it when you call my name. Two minutes and 24 seconds. And I'm like, oh, there's a future song name right there. Uh Call my name. It's right here for you. A little Easter egg. And I love the fast little coda at the end where it ends, but then you get like another measure of do 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 do. 
Yeah, there's a lot to like here. Call me a fan of soft and wet for sure. (laughs) Then we have Crazy You, the B-side to Uptown, the first single from Dirty Mind. Um, This is the first one to really have very prominent guitars. Mm -hmm. It's a ballad, but it's not sappy or terribly slow. So I can appreciate that. Yeah, Um, I kept asking myself... Is this kind of yacht rock music a little bit? It's a little like Polynesian feel to it also. Yacht rock. (laughs) A little bit. Um, You mentioned like there's definitely like his acoustic guitar is heavily featured, but drippy 1970s percussion sounds are Mm -hmm. also heavily featured. And then they pan from the left to the right channel too, which I wondered, I wonder if this is going to make Christy uncomfortable. Oh, not so much. Okay. Good. Yeah, essentially Prince and an acoustic guitar. This is almost like what the album The Truth is in places. Sure. Um, you know, not completely acoustic, but acoustic heavy. Uh-huh. She's crazy, but he loves her despite that. I'm like, mm, I think that's part of the draw, Prince. That's right. <laughs> She's not like a normal, average, everyday lady. She's more exciting. Yeah. Because she's uh, a little unpredictable. Yep. Mm-hmm. Totally. There are some additional like sound effects, kind of a wild one at 45 seconds. Yeah. Right before he says, ooh, everything, you make me want to do everything. Oh, you make me want to do everything. 51 seconds, there's like a little deep guitar hit too that's almost kind of eerie and sounds like it's from 3121 almost. Uh-huh. Which I found surprising too. I'm just crazy and I think you can't be a good acoustic guitar player if you don't tap the face of the guitar <laughs> at the break of a song, which uh-huh. he clearly does at a minute and 19 seconds also. Between, we've covered four songs, essentially, up to this one, up to including this one. And I was like, you know, half of these songs between For You and Crazy You, I can't really think of other songs in his catalog that they are similar to. Okay. They're yeah. like, what? what is, I can't really think of anything like For You. Uh-huh. Uh, right. And Crazy You is this kind of easygoing acoustic guitar thing. Like it's sort of like strolling a little bit. Okay. But very different than, I mean, it's the kind of thing that he didn't revisit or try to recreate later. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's so very short, just under two minutes. It feels like a piece of a song. Yeah. Which is interesting because he like... He spent $170,000 in recording time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and two of these songs, two of the first four songs are you know, two minutes and one minute and a half, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Very, very uh, short, but it has a very, very long fade. It does, yeah. Uh, so, it, again, true. it feels like 
there's more to it. And for whatever reason. Agree. But I'm like, I feel like very wise choices with the acapella thing up front, couple of fast songs, and then hit you with a short ballad mm-hmm. and then roll right into the first like extended track. Yes. On the album. Yes. Just as long as we're together. Yes. The second single released November 21st, 1978. Again, the promo single included a mono version. I didn't know that. Interesting. Later, it would be included as the B-side on some versions of I Want to Be Your Lover Mm -hmm. from Prince's second album, which was eponymous. Yep. This was the song that Prince used to prove himself in April 1977 and again later in 1977. Mm-hmm. Recorded it from scratch for executives to prove he could do all the things. Yeah. Um, it yeah. didn't sell as well as Soft and Wet, but still fairly respectable. 150,000 copies. Yeah. At that time, that was now that would be like probably a really huge hit. Yeah. Then it was just okay. okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah, the industry was a little different back then. That's right. Again, like these heavy breaks, Uh these drum breakdowns that are a signature for this entire album are heavily featured here. Yeah, and Prince said he didn't make disco, but... This is close, right? With the the kind of the open hi-hat thing Uh and like some crazy like Wonder Woman synths that we get Uh in the extended instrumental part of this later on. And it's also the first time that he sort of used an instrumental that was separate to extend a lyrical piece. Sure. With Jelly Jam being the instrumental piece that we hear on the back half of this song. Right. So I'm kind of surprised at some of these lyrics based on things that he'd write later. Okay. <laughs> He's, you know, later he would have these themes of I'm your top priority, be desperate for me always kinds of things. Here he says, you can live your own life and I'll live mine. I'll never try to keep you down. I don't think he ever tried to keep the women in his life down, but he wanted them to always be available to him. And that kind it's kind of the same thing. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. Like not that he wanted their attention 100% of the time, but the percentage of his time that he wanted to be around them, he wanted them to be 100% available. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Even if I only see you some of the time, I'm just happy when you come around. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sure. Sure. You you know, at 19, that was probably very true. Uh, Yeah. Yep. It was all new and doors were being opened for him, of course. Mm Mm-hmm. 34 seconds. There's three seconds of silence when he delivers... I'm warm enough when you're in these arms of mine. Uh huh. And it's layers of uh-huh. acapella vocals. No wonder the executives were impressed. Uh huh. I mean, these this beautiful singing, yeah. these layers of vocals, all of the instruments. It's kind of incredible. Oh yeah. And then I mean, it's sort of disco. Rock, sure. I think it's fair. Disco jam, sure. Um, especially with the everything's all right and him chanting in the background. Uh-huh. Or, you know, his own echoes are fun. And again, like the drum break at forty nine seconds. Yeah, it's it's 
It's Disco Rock. That's a little funk, too. There's some funk in it, also. For sure. And uh, we hear In My Hair. Yep. He's talking about a woman in his hair. This is something desirable. And he'd kind of expand on this idea to the B-side of Raspberry Beret in 1985 with She's Always In My Hair. Not quite as loving then. Like, that's right. uh, like you're an annoyance. Uh, well, I listened to that song and read the lyrics again. So, yes, he was a little annoyed, but he was like, there is no doubt that she cares about me. Yeah. You know, it was, it was a little, I remembered it as him. I'm like, ooh, is a about face with always in my hair. And I went and listened to it again, and I'm like, the way he delivers it says that, but the actual lyrics are a little more forgiving than I had remembered. Okay. Yeah. You know, of course he's going to get the music. <laughs> I was like, and of course he is. Cause he's 19. He can't buy the wine. <laughs> he yeah. can't buy the wine. It was, uh, it's been, uh, tw- 21 and up to buy alcohol since in all States in the U S since 1976. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he had no trouble getting wine if that's what he wanted. <laughs> I mean, if he, he could record this song and then step into a waterbred conference room and then go get on a speedboat. <laughs> yeah, they'd probably bring him Great. some wine if that's what he wanted. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, again, I think that there's you have some different ways you can take lyrics here. Mm-hmm. It, the bridge... And maybe even the entire song could not only be to a girl, but also to the fans that he anticipated. Hmm. Just as long as there is you, I'll be around to do what you want me to do. Performing. Making music. As long as they're there to listen to him, he'll keep doing it. Good point. As long as there is me, I'll be around to sing that melody, sugar. Again, he's referring to somebody as sugar, but he's also saying is even if the audience isn't there, as long as he's around, he's gonna be making music. Yeah, that said, he, it's better together. Which he did probably more often than the music he released. Sure. But yeah, 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 you're totally right. Yeah, so I kind of felt like that was really kind of calling back to for you a little bit. Mm-hmm. This is this isn't just about sex and love. This is about the relationship he anticipated with the audience. Also, like claiming essentially to be music yes. and to make music the center of everything he did. I'll be around to sing that melody. You know, everything starts there. That's mm-hmm. my personality. That's what I'll bring to the table. Right. I did think the hunt you baby in the night was a little strange. He sings, don't you know there ain't nothing better? And there's an everything's all right chant. Oh, hunt you baby in the night. Mm-hmm. 
He's on the prowl. He's on the prowl. At two minutes and 51 seconds, though, Prince goes off on every instrument he was able to get his hands on at the mm. record plant. There's <laughs> there's like a, a buzzy synth in there that almost sounds like him humming and repeats over his ah-ha-ha-ha-ha. Uh-huh. 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 Listen for it real closely. The breakdown with his finger snaps at three minutes and 30 seconds, some of which are like on halftime and are, you, you know, once you hear them, they're a little hard to keep up with at first and then it like becomes second nature. Mm-hmm. Just bass, drum, synth, guitars, Prince was all over all of it. Yes, for sure. Um, I mentioned... The Wonder Woman synths to me at like five minutes and fifteen seconds. There are uh-huh. there's a line of three raising synth notes that kind of uh-huh. almost like siren like, and I just uh-huh. like I can picture Wonder Woman spinning. Oh. Linda Carter turning uh-huh. into you know uh-huh. Wonder Woman is all wow. I can. Or that was like that or Charlie's Angels is what I picked uh-huh. when I picture there, and that like kind of. <laughs> dates it for me just like at least in my own in my mind's eye sure but there's a rhythm guitar that could have been reused in alphabet street or bat dance even in like five minutes and 30 seconds that is amazing it is <laughs> chef's kiss you yes. say I mean, the instrumental end of this song, again, like used to lose me. I used to not pay attention to it very much. Um, And to be honest, I don't know when it was I last visited this album. I wanted to mention it did re-enter the charts for a week, like the week after Prince passed away. It did re-enter charts, like people, you know, of course, going back to, Uh you know, his first album. Um, So yeah, like revisiting it here and sort of forcing myself to pay attention was greatly rewarded for me. For sure. And another fade out. Yep. And the first six plus minute song on record. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. It's pretty great. He runs the gamut here, like very strict sort of radio friendly three minutes, Mm -hmm. short little songs, expansive six minute songs. I mean... It's all right here. First oh, yeah. half of the first album ever. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, we're not going to make selections today because we've only done half the album. So we're going to treat this like we did the albums for Emancipation. The discs. The yeah. discs. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, you're right. That was a better way to say it. It makes it easier for us to prepare and to edit oh, well, with everything else that's going on in our especially life. Especially here. I'm really glad. I'm like, oh, a 33-minute album. We ought to be able to do an episode on that. But there is so much going on uh-huh. just on the first five songs. Yeah. Really worth a revisit. Yeah, and to really be able to take our time and have me not cry while I'm editing it. So Don't you cry. Know. <laughs> Don't cry. 
Awesome. So with that, we'll leave you. Tune in next time for the last four songs of this album. We'll we'll chat about them and we'll make our selections on the entire album at that time. It's going to be hard because I was thinking about if we had to do it on this episode, what would I do? And I was glad I did not have to do such a thing. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Um, So we're just going to add more to the mix next time. That's right. Thank you so much for listening. We know you make a choice when you listen to us. We don't just come on the radio somewhere. You chose to spend some time with us, and we're delighted by that. If you have a friend that you haven't told about the show, please do tell them because it's more fun when you can listen with a friend. You know, hit us up on the socials. Check out all the things that I post there and rate and review wherever you get podcasts. And until next time, happy purple listening, friends. All of this and more is for you. Yep, so we get a his first song, or we'll call this the first song, as I think of For You as like an intro track sure, almost. Sure. First song does fade out. Oh, we're not there but, yet. Okay. Well, we're not there. Oh, I'm not I'm ready to talk about the fade out yet. All right. Hold on. Well, don't put any of this in the podcast. <laughs>